Welcome to Warren Radio with your hosts, the Watchman Dana Smith and Tower. Thanks for listening. Greetings on a Friday morning, another weekend. We just got done with cold weather, snow, sleet, and uh, we're we are ready for warm weather in this neck of the woods. <clears throat> and as we wait for warm weather, we see that. Uh, more governors are telling their people to stay home. There's some good uh, news on the horizon as far as various medicines. You can find that online and you should find it on the Twitter feed. One is a malaria and uh, there's another one that they're using. <clears throat> and uh, they've had pretty good success with it. I think with both of them, and I think one of them are going to get released. All of California is under lockdown. And, uh, of course, our family, the roots of our family on my dad's side is from California. Pretty deep. Nevertheless, I don't think many of the kin live in California anymore. Couldn't tell. And then, of course, uh, L.A. can, I mean, uh, New York continues to be on lockdown and various other things. They've got, both of those cities have a lot of people. I mean, uh, both those states have a lot of people. And so it's pretty important to keep the lid on it if you can Newsom I think the last time I seen 50 some percent are going to be uh, contracting the coronavirus well you're listening to sound the show far I'm the watchman Dana Smith towers off she's busy this morning all of our shows are in-depth. They're, they're quick. They move fast. We do not take calls. They're not call-in shows. People that contact us, go to our website, foreign-usa.com. That's how you get a hold of us. No phone, no email, except through there. You can... Follow us on USA.life, MeWe, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Various hashtags work. Uh, hashtag WatchmanIS216 on Facebook and Twitter. On <clears throat> USA.life, MeWe, Instagram, and Twitter, it's hashtag Warren Radio. And on LinkedIn, it's hashtag Watchman. You can go to our websites at warren-usa.com, danaglennsmith.com. And on the front of the pages, you'll see a little player there that you can listen to the shows. But we also, on our warren-usa.com site, put up full articles with every show. Gives you more information, a lot of other stuff. You can download them. 
But on the front page where the player is, we have a list of, uh, I think it's pretty updated. We're adding them all the time. So uh, you can find all the various uh, places. And, of course, they're linked to other things. So we are really on, there's quite a big availability of listening to the show. Several articles can discontent faith and fragility at a time like this you need to understand faith and fragility the fourth estate you know I wrote about the fourth estate and the fake news long before it was fake news long before Trump and I had articles circulating this is one that you need to read the fourth estate fake news and deception And then American truth and consequences. Well, there's truth and there's consequences. And today a nation and the nations of men, not just America, but many nations are facing consequences. And there's the truth. There's an ultimate truth. So check out these articles. You can go to DanaGlennSmith.com or Warren-USA.com. Today we're talking about Logos Gospel, Redemptive Inheritance of the Saints. And on Thursday nights, we are in Isaiah. And uh, the last two shows, I recommend you listening to. One show we did, I think it was last week, we did do some stuff on the coronavirus. And this week... um, Of course, we're in some of the judgment parts, and there's a lot of relation here and a lot of stuff that I do talk about in this that relates to what we're going through. So check out that show. I mean, if you're locked in, check out the shows. We have got a lot of stuff that you can listen to, a lot of articles that you can read. And so on this morning, with another weekend, you know, I went through our Twitter feed early, and we got three feeds and um, various different um, things. We have our main Warren Radio one, and then we have one that's more of a survivalist, and then we have another one. And... uh, We get a lot of stuff on there, a lot of good things. And even on our Instagram, we have a lot of good, good uh, information that's flowing through there because we, we follow uh, a lot of uh, people that put out such information. So check out our social feeds. We are in Ephesians, Ephesians 1. We're in verse 13. In whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word. That word in the Greek is logos. That word of truth. And that's the important part. The word of truth, comma, the gospel of your salvation. Now that's... what we're doing 
even now as I'm talking about this, I'm talking about the good message. In the Greek gospel is good message. We speak of evangelism, the evangelist. The Greek word is a little hard to pronounce. Euagelion. Of your salvation. We've seemed to have gotten away from a lot of this. And as we delve into the depths of the coronavirus and fighting it, you would think a nation would come together. And I think that we're more on a common ground of fighting. You know, the Muslims have a term for this. When they go to jihad, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And so both the liberals and the conservatives, those who believe in God and those don't, those who are pagan-minded and those who are heavenly-minded, I mean, we've got all sorts here. Now, you may not like the terminology pagan. That's too bad. Nothing you can do about it. Or the word sin. There is a truth. There is a good message. And there is the word of truth. And that is God who sends this good message. And we deliver it. And that's what Paul is talking to the Ephesians about. But even in this particular society we live in, we are coming together more than we have. Although there's still the fake news, so-called, can't seem to be broke from their habit of finding fault with Trump. Wouldn't be half bad if once in a while they would have good stories about him instead of just vile lies. But that's the way it is. Nevertheless, in the liberal movement, are there Christians? Well, that's dumb. Of course they are. Unfortunately, politics separates the gospel, and I found that out many, many years ago when I was a young minister. I found out there's a higher calling than the gospel that is politics within the church. <laughs> And I got introduced real fast to politics, and I didn't like it. Still don't like politics. Nevertheless, Paul says to the Ephesians, after you heard this logos of truth, this good news, and it's the good news of your salvation, that's what the gospel is, those who come to know the Lord and are truly born again to the Spirit, John 3, and who have truly received him, John chapter 1. Of course, there's always repentance involved, Romans 3 through 7. 
And then, of course, there's walking in the light, 1 John 1. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And then there's keeping his commandments, John 15, where the Lord said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. He says that numerous times. Of course, if you're in the modern church within America, there are those Christians who felt that when Christ took over, there was a coup d'etat and threw the Father out. No, he didn't. We have the Father and we have the Son. And the Son says to keep my commandments. But it doesn't surprise me that the church panics over that. Many Christians do. They go into a conniption fit, as we say here. I don't worry about it. I don't worry about it at all. Because you find within the Christian church and within denominations, we have a lot of differences that most people can't find to come together in. Nevertheless, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. This one verse has so much in it. It has the word, the logos. Christ is the word, the living word, the word incarnate. When he comes again in Revelation, he has the word on him written. The gospel, the good message, where God commands all men everywhere to repent. And once they do repent, as it says... For without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You can't seek him if you don't believe he exists. That's ludicrous to think that, well, I have a car outside when you don't have a car outside. Well, that's faith. Yeah, maybe faith, but on that day, if it's not sitting out there, you ain't going anywhere. But see, with the Father and the Son, when we believe, they're always there. Although you don't see them, but they do. As Christ said, my spirit will bear witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. And we know that. We, all, we know that because those who are truly born again do receive of his spirit and do know his presence and can hear his voice. You are sealed with that holy hagios or consecrated spirit, holy spirit. The word spirit, of course, is pneuma, a spirit, but it's a holy spirit of promise, Now, you see, this thing of it is our redemption and him and who we have trusted. God declared this from the beginning. God predetermined that 
he would have a people. Thus the inheritance, the heritage, is gained through Christ Jesus, for he himself said, unless you believe on he who the Father hath sent, you will die in your sins, speaking to the Jews. John says that he went to his own, and his own received him not, but to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. The power. Dunamos. A power to live in him and above the world, to hear his voice, to be delivered from the lusts of the flesh. And for those of you who are Christians who have been taught by your denomination that you don't have to keep the commandments, you're going to be in trouble when you find out that Paul even talks about it as do the others. They're, we're always warning. And of course, there's those denominations who throw out the Old Testament completely. But see, the, the Tanakh, or what we call the Old Testament, is the Bible that the Lord read out of. He, you know, he didn't have one like ours, but uh, he knew the scriptures. And, of course, the, the apostles did the same thing. And when they were teaching the new church and had the anointing as apostles, they would take the Tanakh and the readings of the prophets and the words there and tell the early church what it meant. And so we have a New Testament now of those writings that they had gathered as God gave them to gather from that Tanakh. But he didn't do away with the Tanakh. But you see, Paul says quite plainly that those who do such things, that is, the lust of the flesh, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, see, even in 1 John 1, that's covered. It's not that God's waiting for you to sin. It's that God knows that you will probably sin. That's why it's in 1 John 1. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and blood of Jesus Christ, his son, will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the fellowship. And then you follow that verse within its context, and you'll find where it says that there's a provision there for forgiveness of sins. If we sin, we can confess our sin, and he is faithful and just to forgive us of that sin. See, that that's where we walk. We're in there, and if we do sin, we, we can confess that sin. But what happens if we continue to walk in that sin and refuse to repent, and it becomes something that drags us into more sin? Well, then you're walking in dangerous territory, but even then, God will deal with you as a child of disobedience, Paul says. 
and he will send stuff your way to bring you back to him. Such things produce pain in your life, spiritual and physical, things that will wake you up and bring you back to him where you need to be. That's how the Father does it. As Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches, and my father's the husbandman. He tends the branches. He clips the branch here and there if they're dead. And he will cut off a little bit to stimulate growth. But see, all this is that battle of walking down that path, because the path to destruction is wide, but the path to eternal life is narrow. And there's one thing the church should be together, and that's unified. But that's neither here nor there, because in the end, God will have a unified church. Now, you're probably not going to like the way he'll bring the church together. Because it's the word that matters, not all your man-made institutions. I'm not saying having a church and fellowship is no good. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the ultimate authority here is the Lord. The real ecclesia is not the bricks and stones, but the people in whom the Spirit of God is. As Christ says, we're three two or three or more of you are gathered, I'm in the midst of them. That's because his spirit is in you. And when you all get together, God blesses that. The spirit of God moves and you have church. But too many times we give credit to the church and the pastor and the evangelist. And of course, it's good to have somebody that knows what they're doing. It's good to have someone that knows the Lord when they come in. But the glory belongs to God. And be sure when this thing gets over, he's not going to be lifting up all your churches. There's not going to be a special sign up front saying the Baptists sit here and they get the front seats. Nor the Pentecostals. It's all by faith. It's all through the Son. It's all walking in his light and confessing of sins. And that's not all you confess. That's really a minor part. The rest of it is believing and confessing the truth and speaking the truth and testifying. So in verse 14, it says, Which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory? You know, sometimes I think Paul was a poet because, um, of course, he didn't write in the English. This was interpreted by the King James people. But it, it is good how it's put together. The earnest of our inheritance, that's a good phrase. And the redemption of the purchased possession, that's another good phrase. And when you put them together, earnest of our inheritance till the redemption of the purchased possession, it sounds good, but then you say, huh? 
Well, see, the earnest of our inheritance is Christ and fellowship with the Father and being with them in eternity. That's the earnest of our inheritance, to be delivered from this body of death and to be with him until the redemption of the purchased possession. Now, see, although we call ourselves the redeemed, we're not fully redeemed until we're actually redeemed and with him. There is going to be a time when all of those who are Christ will be fully, completely, finally, and permanently redeemed. That which was purchased by the blood of Christ on the, on the cross. See, God intended for all to come to him, but all wouldn't. In John 3.16, which everybody knows, if you read the context, it goes, to, it goes down a bit and it says that not all will come to the light because they love darkness more. And that's the way it is today. That's why we have problems in the world. People love darkness more. There is sin. There's also the curse, and the curse will devour the earth. And we're going to cover that here pretty soon in uh, Isaiah. So there's a lot of things at play here, and God has to redeem us he has to bring us to that full redemption. He has to remake the heavens and the earth and get rid of the curse, get rid of death and hell. And the wicked will be gone too. And you see all of the stuff in the previous verse, in whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also you believed. Now, you see, you had to hear it, had to act on it. You believed, so you acted on that, believing what they said. You go to an evangelistic meeting, He's telling you about Christ and everything that he did, or she may be telling you that. And it does say in John 1, he went to his own and his own received him not, but to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. And even when you get in Revelation and you discuss the Laodicean church later on down in that description of the Laodicean, you find him standing outside knocking on the door. Well, many times uh, we have used that within the church to denote God's knocking on the door of your heart as uh, he would to a sinner. But, you know, he, he's actually knocking on the door to the church, trying to get him get them to let him in. You have to receive Christ. And even the church falling away, they fall away and they wind up with a religious experience and not the redemption. Of course, this is a fine point and many people have problems with it. But I believe that even if a church is Laodicean, as we see, or any one of the seven, which is written in Revelation that God will always work to bring those who are in the church to him. And even those churches, and I teach on this quite a bit, even those churches that you might find that are dead, we look at the Sardis Church, we look at um, 
Of course, then there's the Philadelphia church. We look at these various churches, and you might look at a church and say, well, they're dead, they're backslid, there's nobody there that knows the Lord. Well, don't be so sure. Because there very well could be somebody alive in the Lord in that. Truly in the faith. God knows, not you. And so all of this in verse 13 is the purchase possession. The earnest of our inheritance is the fullness of that because the gospel, in order to receive the gospel, you have to believe. In order to believe, you have to have faith. Faith and belief are close. But see, you wouldn't have the grace either. It says through God's, you know, through faith, uh, through grace, by faith, or by faith through grace. But see, grace flows out of God's mercy. God's mercy flows out of his love. And because he so loved us, which is called the love of the truth in Second Thessalonians 2, because of that love of the truth, that the fact is God loved us that he didn't want us to be destroyed. He wanted to fix this curse and he wanted to redeem us and have a heritage as the sons of God. That's the truth. So in other words, there's no reason why you should go to hell. There's no reason at all why you should fall away. Now you don't believe today. God can help your unbelief. You need to pray, fight the unbelief. You say that you're a Christian, but you can't live uh, above the lusts of the flesh. Yes, you can. You haven't given everything to him. Make no mistake, there are people and there are pastors that will tell their congregations it's entirely to do certain things, and those certain things are abominations, but in the eyes of the Lord. Make no mistake, church, God knows what sin is. He hasn't changed. He's the same. The old covenant folded into the new covenant, but Christ didn't destroy the old covenant. He brought a new one. And all those who were in the old covenant waited for the promise to wit being the son of God so they could be fully redeemed through that. That the law is dirty and filthy. It's just that we've misinterpreted And the good thing about the the apostles is when they wrote it down and when they brought it to you, they brought it to you in a manner that you would understand, hopefully. But see, sometimes we have taken this and diluted this and convinced ourselves that it's okay to do these things. I mean, in America, we're filled with churches. We've had massive uh, online prayer meetings and everywhere else. Uh, you know, during this coronavirus and praying against it. But folks, you don't want to pray. And, and let me tell you, the first thing of it is to get up there and pray against this and bind it. But the first thing you need to do is repent. Well, Christians don't have to repent. They already have. You better believe you have to repent. You have to make sure you understand within your flesh, your spirit, you're where you need to be. 
America doesn't need to pray that the virus would go away. America needs to repent. America needs to come back to the Lord where many were before. The church needs to get back to preaching the gospel and the good message. They need to get back to being the salt of the earth. And we need to stop calling evil good and good evil. But that's as far as America fully repenting like, let's say, Nineveh did. That is not going to happen. Well, you're being negative and unbelieving. No, telling you the truth, it's not going to happen. God's going to judge America. And what he's doing now in this virus is shaking this country and the world up to let them know he's not pleased. And he's utilizing this for that purpose, for redemptive purposes. Now, see, you can look at that and say, well, that's not the case. Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me whether you believe that or not. You have to make the decisions. It doesn't matter whether you believe any of this. If you do not believe in the word of God, then I can't help you. If you believe this is all lies, I can't help you until the blindness is removed. That's where prayer can come in to get rid of those spirits of unbelief, that hardness of heart, that seared conscience. But see, as I've said before, there's no reason for you to perish. And once you become a Christian, we're not focusing on 623 commandments that we find in the law. Because in the New Testament, Christ does say, if you love me, keep my commandments. He talks about love. But see, let's, let's look at it this way. If you get into the Ten Commandments, you will have no other God before me. You say you don't have to keep the Ten Commandments? You sure do. Why? Because what does it say? You'll have no other God before me. And that's what it means. When you receive Christ and you believe in in Christ to the glory of our Father, you can't have the Father without the Son. You can't have the Son without the Father. And if you have another God before him, you've broken that commandment and you will be lost. You can repent of it. See, God can forgive you. He's waiting for you to repent. But the bottom line of it is to say that as a Christian, you can go out and do whatever you want to. That's one of the biggest lies on the planet. And it doesn't matter to me whether you believe it or not, but for your own good, you need to believe that and get in the word of God and find out. Because while redemption is free, discipleship is not. You know, a lot of the Jews were following Jesus around and they were 
they followed and believed and he told them those that hear and do my commandments are my disciples and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free that's the secret but every week we cover the persecuted church. And I can tell you that the enemy doesn't care what kind of a church you're in, what, what kind of a cross you have, or what your doctrines are. If you even remotely look like a Christian, that you are serving Christ Jesus, you're their enemy. And sometimes, even if it's Muslims, they'll get killed because the other Muslims don't like what they believe. So if a Muslim, a radical, can't find a Christian to kill, he can usually find somebody else. It's a bloody religion. Now, there are good Muslims. Matter of fact, I I have talked to a number of them here in America. But the bottom line of it is, is that the discipleship overseas, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ in Pakistan, you've got to watch your P's and Q's. Because Pakistan has that level of social order, just like India does. And so many of those who are Christians are poor, and they do the most menial tasks And they will work in fields, do various things. And they're persecuted, and then they're killed and murdered. And we've we've covered the stories. The little boy, five years old, they were at a brick kiln. He was there with his parents, and Muslims were there. And they were talking to the boy, and he said he was a Christian. They took him and threw him in the brick kiln and cooked him, killed him. True story. There was a Christian mom and her husband who had, forgot how many kids they had. They had a number of children. But they didn't read and write, and they were accused of blasphemy because um, they said that these two had destroyed the Koran, which they didn't. But they took them, beat them up, and threw them in the brick kiln and, and baked them in there and killed them both. This is Pakistan, folks. We've seen victories for the church there, too, with the release of Asiya Bibi by her own government. And there's others that have been released, but there's still a lot more in prison for their faith there. In one of the largest democracies on the face of the earth, which is India, Prime Minister Modi, you know, him and Trump met. But the fact of it is, is that the radical Hindus there connected his his own party called the BJP work to get rid of all the Christians in India and anybody else they don't like. And churches get get burnt, pillaged, people get thrown out of their homes, people are forced out of their village, people are banished to the point of where they don't have no food, no clothes, no nothing. 
the Hindus in the area will, won't sell them food so that they can eat. You go over North Korea, if you're a Christian and caught, you can be years in jail or even die. In China, China's been doing one of the worst uh, destructions of Christian churches and persecution of Christian in recent memory. Yet nobody holds them accountable. I could go on and on. So while the Christian faith is free, and in America, we've had a get-out-of-jail-free card. We've been there to where it's been okay to be a Christian. And we can be all kinds of denominations and believe whatever we want. And if we get mad at a pastor, we just go right down the road. Go to another church. That's the way it is. And we say we have faith, but we also have good jobs. We have houses to live in. We've got cars to drive. You, Most of you have... Uh, Insurance, you have dental insurance, you have medical insurance, most of you. You will uh, have retirement, some of you. Some of you may not want to work. Some of you may just not want to do anything. But for the most part in America, we can, we're free. Well, God is closing the door on the free part in this country. And in the future, one day, you will be forced to make a decision, either for Christ or against Christ. And so while we can talk glowingly about Logos gospel, the redemptive inheritance of the saints, and we can put all kinds of sugar and sweetness on it, the fact of the matter of it is, as Christ himself said, the world hated me before it hated you. Friendship with the world is an enmity with God. John says. You see, there is persecution. There is a cost to discipleship. There's a cost to believing. If you believe it, you got to walk in it. And if you believe him as your Lord and Savior, you will do what he says. See, the people that do that don't do that because they have to. They do that because they want to. But we walk in the spirit, not in the letter of the law. But you can always get people's dander, their religious Christian dander up when you tell them that the law is still there and viable. Paul talks about the law, that if one uses it rightly, it's, it's by the law that we find out that we're sinners. The law pay, plays an important part. Even the gospel itself fulfills the law. Because it is the legal way that satisfies the righteousness of the law that enables God to redeem us by faith. And Abraham was the first one. He believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness sake. But if you believe Christ 
and you say you follow him and you go around convorting with with uh, a harlot and you're sleeping with her all the time, you're in trouble. We do not understand what sin is in America. We do not care. We don't like the word. Because in America, everything is fine. It's not fine. And we know it's not fine. And we know that sins are sins. And we know in Revelation, which tells us about these end of days, the harlot had a cup full of blasphemies, sins, feel good, look good, taste good sins. You can't dunk yourself in these things and expect to go to heaven. There's a lot of scriptures there. Be perfect as I am perfect. Speaking of the Father. But see, the good news of it is, is that, see, God knows your frame. He's made a way for you to be redeemed. He's given you a spirit. You can live above the lust of the flesh. And if you do sin, you do have an advocate with the Father, and you can ask him to forgive you. Now, see, in verse 15, Paul says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, unto all saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. He had heard of the Ephesians' faith. But the faith was connected with this word, love unto all the saints. The Lord said, by this shall they know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. And I can tell you unequivocally, the church does not have love one for another. We reckon our own doctrines, our own churches, and even ourselves before we reckon love. In the church in America, we do not love as we should. And how can you love others if you can't love those of your own faith? How can you love them when you are backbiting, gossiping with your tongue, saying bad things about the pastor, about your neighbor, about all these others here? James talks about that, about the sins of the tongue. Because if you bite and devour one another with your tongue, be careful that you're not devoured in the process. But see, Paul had heard. They had faith, and they also had out of that faith love towards one another. So Paul says, I, I, I give thanks for you, and I never quit. I just am thankful that you're like that, that you 
have come to know him and walk in that way. I make mention of you in my prayers. And what does he say? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of him. Wisdom, knowing what is wise, knowing what to do with knowledge. Knowledge, that technical aspect, so to speak. But this says revelation in the knowledge of him. Because in order to know him, it has to be revealed. And once it's revealed, you need to know, well, what do I do with it? That's where wisdom comes in. So when you talk of the spirit of revelation, which is the same word as revelation, apocalypsis, it's the disclosure, the manifestation, the appearing of the knowledge of him. And that knowledge of him is revealed in us when we become like him and walk as him. And his power is seen in us, revealed in us, causing us to walk above the sins of the world and the lusts of the flesh and the mind. But see, there's tools that you can use. Prayer, binding, loosing, studying. Fasting. There are spiritual weapons that you can use. You don't have to, as a Christian, just turn around and bow before a lust of the flesh because that thing came to you. You rebuke it in Jesus' name. Thoughts. You can rebuke the thought. You can rebuke the spirit behind the thought. And you can bind that spirit behind the thought and cast him into outer darkness. You can cast down all thoughts and anything that comes against you that tries to destroy your knowledge in Christ or your walk in him. You're not a corkboard where the devil can just pin something on you. He tries, but see, he'll try to bring it up. But see, it's covered under the blood. You need to rebuke that, rebuke the spirit behind it. You don't need to take that. You get a bad dream. You need to rebuke that dream and rebuke the spirit behind that dream. You don't need to do that. You need to beware for false spirits, familiar spirits that come to you in the guise of a religious experience. We have all kinds of prophets out there that think they're prophets and they're dealing with familiar spirits. The problem with today's society, we have no discernment whatsoever. But everybody wants to be something. I'm an apostle. I'm a prophet. I'm a this. I'm a that. It can get tiring. But the thing of it is, God loves us. And God knows how to deal with us, all of us. He knows how to deal with the prophets, the apostles, the everyday Joe that knows the Lord. He knows us. Believe me, he can get your attention. And that's one thing, for many anyway, I can't speak for the unbelievers, I can't speak for the rich Hollywood dites that 
don't know the Lord, but I can tell you if you're a Christian and and you say that you know him, then this coronavirus thing has lifted your eyes up a little. You understand. And that's good because you need to understand. You need to know this stuff. You need to be aware. There is no doubt that Ephesians is one of the greatest portions here. And we're not just going to be in Ephesians. We're going to be in other scriptures. But these are are good, good verses. And in this time of, of trouble, it's not just coronavirus. There are troubles in a lot of places, a lot of homes, And people need a Messiah. People need God. They need the true and living God who sent his only begotten son. Father, we thank you for your word today. Bless those who hear this, whatever they do. Draw them to yourself and keep them. And Father, keep them from this coronavirus. Work in their lives and draw them to yourself. And in Jesus' name, I bind you, Satan, the powers of darkness from the preaching, teaching, streaming, and receiving of this word. Don't forget, Next week, we'll be here again. Good Lord willing, and the crick don't rise. Of course, we're in the season around here where cricks do rise. But that's an old saying. The Lord's willing. Of course, if he ain't willing, it don't matter what you think. It don't matter. (laughs) what you think your plans are. That's funny. We get so caught up with our own ways, but God, he knows his thoughts that he thinks towards you. Thoughts of peace to bring you to an expected end. That's good. Because it's nice to know that God has such thoughts. And see, through Christ, we have a way. But there's a warning with this. The wrath of God will fall doubly upon those who had the chance to receive the Son of God. And follow the gospel and the light of the gospel and the truth of Christ. But they rejected him. Yes, 
the wrath of God will fall very heavy on them because you had no excuse. No excuse at all. And yes, if you die in your sins, you will be in trouble. And God has made a way for all men to be with him. So don't forget, go by warren-usa.com, danaglinsmith.com. Check out our articles, our websites. Check out some of the social feeds. And be safe with the coronavirus. The only thing of it is, if something was to happen to uh, the Internet around the world, then it would be a mess. Because a lot of companies are using the Internet for their people to work at home. See, in other times, when something like this hit, people couldn't do that. You don't know. Technology can be both a blessing and a curse, and it is both of those things to this generation. This is the Watchman, and for Tower, we'll see you next time. Be safe and be blessed. For even I know the thoughts God has towards you. I have read his word. Goodbye. Have a good weekend. Shalom. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Warren Radio.